Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. The Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Always streaming live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, hope you're having a killer Tuesday. And I want to say thank you for making the show a part of your evening routine. Hope you're doing well and glad you're here. We have a jam-packed show. Now, when you turn into a sports show, and I'm, I'm sure if you are listening to the Wisco Sports Show today, you're no stranger to David Scrady in the morning or Bill Michaels, Dan Patrick throughout the day. You've, you've been around the block, right? You're familiar with uh, with how this goes. A lot of times hosts will come on and say, hey, we got a jam-packed show today. Half the time, they're just they're just saying that. A lot of times, you know, we're going to talk a little Packers, talk a little Badgers. Today, we have a jam-packed show. And honesty and uh, transparency, I'm 100% about it. We have a lot of stuff to get through today, and I'm really, really excited. Um, and that includes hearing from you on the 5-Star Telecom Talk and Text Line at 608-796-2558. And it's already popping. Toma Dan chiming in and says, Ruben Foster, what a joke. So are uh, so is that team over in Washington. Uh, if you haven't heard, Ruben Foster, who was cut by the 49ers, just picked up by that team uh, in Washington. Yeah, a little bit of a joke, Dan. You figured somebody was going to pick him up, give him a chance, uh, and Washington was that team. Kind of fits with their MO, uh, their mode of operations over there in the NFC East. So, yes, I agree, Dan. What a joke. But, unfortunately, we don't have time to talk about Reuben Foster today or that trash organization over in Washington, D.C., because we got a lot of news. We are going to talk about Packers coming up here in about 10 minutes. Specifically, I know there's been a lot of heat thrown at Mike McCarthy, a lot of heat thrown at Aaron Rodgers, And uh, a lot of other people, obviously, in the Packers organization. But there is one problem and one thing that I don't think is being talked about. And ultimately, this burden and this challenge is going to fall on will-be second-year general manager Brian Gutekunst in the offseason. A lot of decisions to make. A lot of big decisions that are going to impact this team for the next three or four years, which is really your window to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. And they're going to be big, impactful decisions. I'll tell you what I'm talking about coming up here in about 10 minutes. At 5.30, we're going to be joined by Zach Heilprin, sports director at The Zone in Madison. It's been a while. Got to talk to our man, Zach. You hear him every Friday on the Badger Roundtable show. Uh, Zach and the boys is what I what I like to call them. I don't know if I'll tell Zach that, but that's what I like to call him. Uh, and we will check in with him after the Badgers fell to Minnesota and lost the axe for the first time in nearly 15 years on Saturday. I'm sure he'll have a lot to say. That's coming up at 5.30. And some more Packers news uh, towards the end of the hour as well as there's no shortage of news. But right now, I want to start with something a little more positive, a little more exciting, and that is some Brewers talk. It's been a while. And uh, just as the show was getting underway back in August, we were blessed with really exciting Brewers baseball. Feel really lucky. It, it was a really fun time of year, and I'm glad that we were able to be on air and the Wisco Sports Show was getting underway uh, during that that crazy playoff push and that really, really fun team environment that we got to watch Let's get back to that a little bit because there was a little bit of Brewers news coming out in the last 24 to 48 hours, and it was already involving a free agent or not necessarily a free agent, but a player that is available. And this is called the Hot Stove League, right? There's always rumors talked about all winter, and there's lots of speculation. So let's get into that. The San Francisco 49ers, or not 49ers, the San Francisco Giants, rather, are reportedly willing to trade Madison Baumgartner. Reportedly, Now, like I said, it's the hot stove league. It's all rumors. It's all speculation. That's what makes it fun. But according to multiple sources, multiple websites, I'm looking at CBSSports.com, MLB.com, and they say Baumgartner's to be had. And the Brewers and the Phillies are the first two teams stepping up to the plate. Now, 
There are other organizations talked about as being a good fit, being a smart fit, but the only two teams that I have seen reference in terms of showing interest, uh, maybe showing an offer, or calling the Giants are the Brewers and the Phillies. And I think it's fascinating. Baumgartner, 29 years old, last season, 3.26 ERA. Not an amazing year, but still an ace pitcher, still a guy who has a ton of postseason experience and a guy that I would imagine this Brewers team would love to add to the rotation. Because you look at this rotation right now, you don't know what Ulysses has seen. Yeah, he had a great year. You don't know if he's going to bring that back two years in a row. What they have in Chase Anderson, I have no clue. Wade Miley has elected to to go elsewhere. So there's some question marks in this rotation. Now, the, the, the couple players that you think are definitely going to be in the rotation are Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns. All three of those guys, pretty young, pretty long in the tooth, and not a, now they got some postseason experience last year, which was big, which will help them down the line. But wouldn't you love to add an experienced pitcher, a veteran pitcher, who has had lots of World Season experience or World Series experience? Madison Baumgartner would be the perfect guy. Now, of course, the question to be asked is, what's it going to cost? And what's the situation going to be in a couple months? Because if you follow baseball closely, and I don't think I'm a baseball nut, but I don't think it's any secret that Bryce Harper's free agency uh, is one of the biggest stories right now. And a lot of people, including uh, analysts and writers that you hear on this station, on the Bill Michaels Show, including Adam McAlvey of Brewers.com and MLB.com, Seth Everett, the Bill Michaels Show National Baseball Insider, have both talked about San Francisco being a logical landing spot for Bryce Harper, who is obviously going to break the bank and and cash in on a huge contract. Nobody's signing Bryce Harper to a one-year prove-it deal or to a team-friendly contract to try to put together a championship roster. No, he's going to get paid. He wants to get paid, and some team is going to pay him. I don't really understand why San Francisco. I don't really get that logic, but when they talk about it, yes, he can be the star there. San Francisco has the money to pay him, I guess, I don't see it. I think other large market teams make more sense. Flashier markets, flashier teams. But that's what everybody says, is it's the Giants. And I think that will be the domino to fall first in terms of where the San Francisco, or I keep saying 49ers, where the San Francisco Giants go and what they end up doing. If they sign Bryce Harper to a huge deal, it would be a little odd, little misguided in my opinion to then go ahead and trade away one of your other great players are you rebuilding or are you trying to compete you understand this the logic here you can't really do both if you're bringing in Bryce Harper and breaking the bank for that player I'm, I'm assuming you, you want to contend you're not building for the future you're building for right now next season for opening day and trading away Madison Baumgartner after signing Bryce Harper doesn't really make a whole lot of sense now Madison Baumgartner is set to be a free agent at the end of this year and his salary is not crazy. He's under contract through 2019 at a salary of $12 million, which is a bargain. And it says so in the CBS article that I'm referencing right now. So he is a one-year rental. You get him for the entire year. Maybe the Brewers or whatever team makes a trade for him, if he has a good year, uh, could make a pitch to bring him back on, an, on another contract. But right now, it would be a rental. So let's play a little game. 608-796-2558. You can text me in your thoughts. You can also reach, this might be a great uh, a great Twitter uh question, a great Twitter conversation to be had. You can tweet at me at Grant. You can tweet at the station at WKTY. What would you be willing to give up if the Giants are inclined to move Madison Baumgartner and the Brewers are interested? What kind of players would you be willing to give up? Now, I think there's two schools of thought. If the Giants sign Bryce Harper, but trade away Madison Baumgartner, I think they're, they're still in somewhat of a compete mode. They're not tearing it down to the bones, to the brass tacks. So they might want to get a player who has a little or or a good amount of 
major league experience. They're, they don't want to trade for prospects if they're bringing in Bryce Harper. This is just my logic here. So I would think a guy like Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, all guys who have experience in the major leagues, we've shown that they can be players at the major league level, but they're still young. They still have upside, right? And they're all on team-friendly deals. Domingo Santana, Orlando Arcia, two other players who had really impressive postseasons, and their stock might be pretty high right now. The Giants might want to say, that's a piece we could use to build around and contend immediately because they are not down in single A or double A. So that's one thought. Or maybe the Giants do want to strip it down to the studs. They don't sign Bryce Harper, and they really want to build for the future. And then you start talking about guys, their top prospects, like Keston Hero, who just had a bananas-type season in the fall league. Corey Ray, former Brewers' first-round pick, who's tearing it up in the minors. Lucas Ursig, Mauricio Dubon, who may have been a contributor to this Brewers team this year had he not uh, suffered that knee injury. Or that leg injury. I don't exactly what it was, but it was a season-ending injury. I want to say torn ACL or torn MCL. I'm not 100% sure. But he could have been a contributor this year, possibly. Maybe the Brewers would have called him up. Bryce Harper signs with the Giants, and they still want to trade Baumgartner. They might go to the Peraltas, the Woodruffs, the Burns. That might be the starting point. But if they don't sign Bryce Harper, and San Fran does want to tear it down to the studs and build for the future, maybe they look more at the Brewers minor league system. Hira, Ray, Ursig, Dubon, guys like that. What would you give up? Shoot me a text, 608-796-2558, or shoot me a tweet, Keystroker Grant. You can find me there, Grant Bills on Twitter, or at WKTY. If you have a thought, share it. And if you're a, and if you're a real minor league nerd, now this, now's the time to show off your stuff, right? Tell me and, and tell everyone how much you know about the Brewers' minor league system. So we'll get back to that later on in the show if any of you have thoughts. But for now, we're going to leave it at just that, speculation, rumor, fun chatter for, uh, for the hot stove league in the winter and your Milwaukee Brewers who are... Uh, Well, they're going to try to make some moves, I would imagine. Maybe Madison Baumgartner will be that guy. Unfortunately, we do have to wrap up the Brewers talk. we got a lot lot to get to today, including some Packers talk. What I said earlier, there's blame to be put at the feet of Mike McCarthy and blame to be put at the feet of Aaron Rodgers and uh, Ron Zook, maybe even Mike Pettin, although it's difficult to tell. There's a lot of blame to be thrown around. This is one thing nobody is talking about. Actually, I lied. I've heard some Packers writers talk about this. So this isn't isn't earth-shattering, but it's not something I'm hearing about on Bill Michaels. I, I don't know if Dave and Scrady have talked about it. Don't want to put words in their mouth. This is interesting, and I want to share it with you coming up next. It's going to fall at the feet of Brian Gutekunst, and ultimately it's going to be up to him to solve this problem. I'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. Coming up next, second segment of the Wisco Sports Show on the way here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having a good Tuesday. Thanks for making the Wisco Sports Show a part of it. Good Brewers talk, good Brewers rumors. I love this time of year. Because even if you're wrong, it's just fun to talk about it, right? A little speculation, a little guessing game here and there. It's just fun. It's pretty harmless, uh, harmless time of year for baseball. So we'll see if the Brewers end up making some trades, making some moves, some free agent acquisitions. Uh, you never know what the future holds in the next couple of months in the hot stove league. That being said, we are right in the thick of things uh, in a little less time, uh, a little less fun of a time for the Green Bay Packers right now. And I, and I started the show by saying there's a lot of blame for Mike McCarthy, a lot of blame for Aaron Rodgers. It's pretty easy to, to point out why they aren't winning from an X's and O's standpoint on the field, right? Behind the scenes, I think the Packers' struggles this year have other sources, And this is something I was looking at today, and it involves getting a little bit into the salary cap, a little into the how the Packers are playing, paying their players, excuse me. 
And this challenge is going to be one that's going to be put at the feet of Brian Gutekunst. And he said, and if I was Mark Murphy, Murphy, I would look at Gutekunst. I said, hey, realistically, we have a three or four year window with Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl. Do your work on this roster. Do your work on the salary cap and set us up for the next handful of years as we get a couple last, uh, a couple last bites at this apple. Now, I think the problem in terms of player personnel and talent on this team right now has nothing to do with X's and O's. It doesn't have to do with Mike McCarthy or Aaron Rodgers, although a little bit with Aaron Rodgers indirectly. Look, the Packers have put large dollars and big investments into a couple of players, a large handful of players on this roster. And once you start to break down the numbers and look at the salary cap hit and the percentage of the cap that these players are taking up, their largest investments, their largest contracts that they've paid out aren't doing a whole lot right now. They're not playing great football or they're injured. Now, of course, you could say injuries aren't the player's fault. That's true. But injuries are a part of the game. And they seem to be a part of the game for the Green Bay Packers each and every year. Now, I know everybody says, oh, the Green Bay Packers have just as many injuries as, as anyone else. Okay, that's fine. They get hit hard at one position one year, another the next. Injuries are a problem each and every year for this Green Bay team. I don't know why. And that definitely plays into this problem. So when you look at the salary cap, And the salary that's being paid out by the Green Bay Packers. Now, normally I don't like to get into this because I think it's quite confusing. The more I try to learn about the salary cap and the percentage of cap hit and dead cap, all that stuff, front loading of contracts, back loading of contracts, restructuring, the more I try to learn, the more I read about it, I think the more confusing it gets. So I like to keep it simple because we're not accountants. We're not uh, exactly. We don't deal with numbers. We're fans. But something that's very easy to see, let's look at who's getting paid the most money having the largest percentage on the salary cap. And let's consider how they're playing right now. Well, we'll start at the top, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers. Taking up just short of 11.5% of the Packers' current salary cap. Now, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing that great. He's not playing like the quarterback you paid him to. Now, is that going to continue? I don't think so. He could get hot any game, I agree. And I think he will improve over the next couple of years and get back to form, whether they bring in a new coach, a new system, what have you. But Aaron Rodgers right now, not playing like the $30 million man you paid him to be. He's taken up just over 10% of your salary cap. That's a good amount. Up next is Randall Cobb. It's 7% of their salary cap. Now, he's injured. It would not surprise me at all if he ends up on injured reserve and they remove him from the active roster entirely, especially if the season continues to go the way that it goes. 7% of the salary cap. Randall Cobb, not playing. Clay Matthews, you go down to their third most expensive player, about 6.5% of the salary cap. He's not getting sacks. Okay, he's good at stuffing the run, but you don't pay a guy $11 million a year, about $12 million a year on the cap, and 6.5% of your salary cap to stuff the run. You don't, you, you don't pay a player to do that. Clay Matthews, third most expensive player, really not doing a whole lot. No, David Bakhtiari at four and Devontae Adams at five, and when I'm, when I'm counting down, I'm saying in order of most expensive to least expensive. So we talked about Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, Clay Matthews, your three top Paid players. Then you get to David Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams at four and five. They're performing. Devontae Adams, especially. They're really performing. They're floating around 6% of the salary cap each. Now, Mike Daniels is next at four and a half percent on the cap, and he is injured. Now, I got to give Mike Daniels a lot of credit. He's been very consistent, and he has been the same player uh, that he was paid to be when they gave him that big $76 million contract or whatever it was at the time. He has played like that man, and he's remained healthy for a a good portion of his Packers career, especially on the second contract. I don't take a a lot away from Mike Daniels. 
Right now, he happens to be injured. Brian Bulaga would be up next at about 4.5%. He's been injured. He's been in and out. And then it really starts to get shaky. Jimmy Graham is actually in the top 10 for salary cap hits on the Screen Bay Packers team at just shy of 4% of the cap. Jimmy Graham has been... He's been confusing. He's been an enigma. I don't think he has doing what the Packers brought him in to do. Let me uh, give a couple examples. What I am so sick of, and I don't remember if I talked about this with Dave. I was in hosting Mornings with Dave and Scrady last Wednesday, and I think we might have covered this. I am so sick of hearing about Jimmy Graham's blocking. Anytime I go on Twitter or I listen to the color commentary man during a Packers game say Jimmy Graham has really improved his blocking this year. That Oh, that triggers me. They didn't pay him to block. I don't care if he blocks at all. That's not what he's for. Every time I hear about Jimmy Graham being a good blocker, it makes me angry. Because if he is focused on blocking, he's not doing what the Packers paid him to do, which is line up wide, get up the seam and catch passes, be a red zone target. He's not doing any of that. And here we are focusing on his blocking ability. Drives me crazy. He's a top 10 paid player on this Packers roster. He's taking up just shy of 4% of your cap. A cap hit of $5.9 million this year. And you're worried about his blocking. Ah, it drives me crazy. Drives me absolutely wild. And how many times you could turn this into a drinking game with more than one player, but especially Jimmy Graham, when you're watching the game, when when a ball goes off the fingertips of Jimmy Graham, whether he mistimes his leap or just doesn't haul a ball in, every single time, and I heard Collinsworth say it at least once on Sunday night, he says, you know, those are the kind of catches Jimmy Graham normally makes. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wouldn't know. (laughs) I wouldn't know because it feels like we've seen balls go off his fingertips all season long. Right through his hands, just you know, mistimes his jump, mispositions his hands. It's just it's so close. And every time the color commentator is going to go, well, that's a, that's a catch Jimmy Graham's going to make nine times out of ten. And I'm like, yeah, I I don't know, I wouldn't know. I've never seen him make a catch like that as a as a Green Bay Packer. But yet he is one of the top ten highest paid players currently on this Packers active roster, at just shy of four percent. A lot of money, not really paid. Uh, not really doing what he was paid to do. Now, if you go outside the active roster, down to the injured reserve cap, which is all dead money, obviously that money's being paid out, not getting any return on the field, Nick Perry leads the way, 5.9%. Now, if he was active, he would be paid more than everyone except for Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, Clay Matthews, and David Bakhtiari. Now, because he's not active, he's not mentioned in that list. But Nick Perry is taking up just shy of 6% of the salary cap. Ten and a three-quarter million dollars a year against the cap this year. And Nick Perry's been hurt. And when he hasn't been hurt, he has been absolutely ineffective. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Muhammad Wilkerson also being paid pretty handsomely. Now look, that's a freak injury you get rolled up on. I'm not, I'm not blaming Muhammad Wilkerson for being injured. But when you look at the roster as a whole, these guys at the top of the pay scale who are being paid the most money and putting a biggest hit on that salary cap aren't producing. Your production is coming from guys lower down on the pay scale. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has had some games. Now, the one exception to that is, or two exceptions, I should say, is Corey Lindsley and Devontae Adams. They've been dynamite, especially Corey Lindsley. He's putting together a Pro Bowl season very, very quietly. Those two dudes have balled out. And David Bakhtiari has for the most part as well. But other than that, Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, Clay Matthews, Mike Daniels, Brian Bulaga, a bunch of guys who are not performing or are hurt. And when you load that much money into a small handful of players on a, on a 53-man roster, you're not getting output on that on the field. You're not getting compensation back from the money that you're paying out. You're going to struggle. 
You really, really are. And this is the challenge that's going to be presented to Brian Gutekunst and his staff this offseason. What do they do with a player like Clay Matthews and Randall Cobb, who are both set to be free agents? That money can come off the books should they let him walk. But then what are you going to do with Randall Cobb's uh, gap that he leaves in the wide receiver core? Or Clay Matthews at inside or outside linebacker, wherever you think he fits best. Let's say you want to cut Nick Perry. You can go ahead and do that. It's not going to save you a lot of money because of the way that contract is structured. And you're going to lose a, a warm body, which at times have been difficult to come by for the Green Bay Packers because of injuries. A lot of challenges, a lot of question marks that second year to be general manager Brian Gutekunst is going to have to deal with coming up in this offseason. And that's a challenge. That's a, that's a problem that no one is really talking about. Everything is talked about Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy, the scheme. Well, the personnel has not exactly been dynamite either. And that's something that's going to need to be cleaned up, going to need to be fixed in the offseason because you can't be throwing out multi-million dollar deals and 6 7 8% of the cap to players who aren't giving you anything in return. So we'll watch that as the offseason goes on. I want to keep tabs on this list in terms of who's taking up the biggest percentage of the salary cap and see how Gutekunst adjusts. Now, he's a UWL grad. Bright guy, guaranteed. He's general manager of, a, of an NFL team. Obviously, he's bright, but even brighter because he went to UWL. And we'll see how he tackles this challenge in the offseason. Uh, we got to go take a quick break because we got to get connected with Zach Heilprin, sports director at The Zone in Madison. We got to talk a little Badgers football. They lost three of their last five. Lost the axe for the first time in 15 years. A lot of discussion to be had with Zach around the corner. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM, and streaming live at WKTYsports.com and our mobile app. By the way, tonight would be a great night to take that mobile app for a ride. We're bringing you Aquinas and Mostyn. That game gets underway just shortly after 7 o'clock. I'm going to be there, Drew Kelly and myself on the call, so taking a little bit of uh, local sports action. And the WK2i mobile app would be a great way to do so. Uh, a frustrating weekend for both Packers and Badgers football. I would say even more so for the Badgers, and you guys echoed that on this show yesterday. And to break it down, we welcome in Zach Heilprin, the sports director at The Zone, our sister station over in Madison. Zach, I know you're a Badgers fan. Obviously, you're in Madison. I, are you doing okay after this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I uh, haven't covered the team for a while now. It's it really doesn't uh, affect me one way or the other. Other than you know, uh, good teams always are better than bad teams, but this <laughs> team uh, not great. That's a good way to look at it, Zach. I actually went back and listened to the last conversation that we had, and we were looking at the last five games of the schedule, and I would consider myself a pessimist about my sports teams. I said, Zach, I see no reason why this team couldn't lose three of their last five, and you you said that would be definitely on the pessimistic end. That's actually what ended up happening. I didn't expect them to lose to Minnesota, and you didn't even consider that a possibility at the time. What happened down the stretch in these last five games? Do we give you a present for that? What do you get for that? Do you get some kind <laughs> of award? For that's not how I wanted it to that? come across. I just wanted some context. <laughs> I wanted some context, Zach. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? Uh, was doing, what went wrong? Last five games, they lost three of five, and I, I don't think yeah. that's what anyone expected. Well, no. I mean, I think I think a lot of people thought that there was a good chance that they lose at Penn State. You know, and the way Purdue was playing, there. You know, I should say um, uh, the way Northwestern, you know, had played this year, there was. There was that chance as well, but um, no one saw Minnesota coming. Obviously, for um, you know, for obvious reasons, that's just that, that one is going to be unexplainable. Other than you know, Minnesota truly wanted it. Wisconsin didn't show. I mean, I, I, I've talked to the players themselves and really talked to um, 
former players as well and what they were taking in and they just thought that Wisconsin didn't have any kind of energy whatsoever. Um, and, and there was, it was a one-sided game. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even a close game. It was 17 to nothing at one point and Minnesota went on and blew them out. It wasn't even a close game. I think that may be the biggest surprise of all. It's just Wisconsin didn't show up. Yeah. And especially in Madison, I think that was the most surprising part. I could maybe see that with this team at, at TCF, but I never expected that at Camp Randall. I was most frustrated and now that the season, the regular season at least, is over, I think we can look at a, in a more holistic way. I was surprised that the offense just was not very good this year. We had question marks about the defense before the season started, but I never expected this from the offense. I got to ask you a question. I thought they were, and all the talk is on creativity and scheme, obviously, with the Packers. I just thought they were uninspiring on offense. I thought they had opportunities to get the ball to guys like Kendrick Pryor and Crookshanks in ways that we've seen in the past. They ran a lot of sweep and reverse plays with guys like Jazz Peavy, and it worked really well the last couple of years. And it seems like that was something they went away from this year. It was either a hand up off the middle or Hornybrook was dropping back. What did you think of this offense, the way it shook out down the stretch this year? Yeah, I mean, Paul Chris, that was what he was known for when he was here as the, as the uh, offensive coordinator. I mean, he had oversaw offense. I think he ended up overseeing four of the top five offenses of all, uh, of all time at Wisconsin in terms of points per game uh, before he left. And, and everyone thinks about 2010 and 2011, and, yeah, you have those great quarterbacks, but they also did it uh, in 2005 with John Stockwell as a quarterback. And, you know, they were pretty good in 2007 with Tyler Donovan as a quarterback. They put up a bunch of points that year, too. So, I mean, the fact that they were unable to do um, – anything offensively, and, and it, it, when you have all those guys back, that was a huge, huge thing. And I asked Paul Christ about it. I said, you know, you said before the – we all asked before the year because we were all talking about how it's a possibility it could be one of the best offenses they've, they've had, probably the best since 2011. And, yeah. You know, he would always say, we have an opportunity to do that. And I asked them, you know, the week before the Minnesota game, you know, maybe – or excuse me, it was, <clears throat> it was the day – it was a week before the Purdue game. And I asked them why, you know, maybe you guys haven't been able to capitalize on that opportunity. and as usual, he didn't give you a very good answer, but it was it was really you know um, I don't care. I'll, I'll simplify it for because uh, it would turn into like a minute and a half. Of course, uh, I don't care what the outside expectations were. I don't care what what you think. And um, you know this is every year is a new year, and you have to address what's going on here. And I just don't think he addressed the issues that they had. They did not make adjustments. They did not change anything. We saw the same thing all year, and it wasn't working. And again, I think there's a there's, I don't know. I don't know if anything's broken because they were 43 yards away from going to the college football playoff last year. But I certainly do think they need to look, you know, in the mirror and look in itself, evaluate whether this is something that can continue with the way they're going, or they need to figure another way to attack it. Yeah, Zach Heilprin joining joining us from the zone in Madison. I just thought they did a poor job of getting their playmakers the ball. Uh, And it just looked really uninspiring. And speaking of playmakers, I was lamenting this on the show yesterday. I thought just because of that offensive line and Jonathan Taylor, forget everyone else, that they would be able to beat Minnesota yesterday. And there were some selections for all Big Ten on the defensive side. I thought they had a really good core of players, seasoned players like Dakota Dixon and Connolly, Edwards, Van Ginkle. Look, not many teams in the Big Ten West can boast a handful of players like that right now. Forget everybody else. They were lucky to have those core group of players on both sides of the ball. Shouldn't everything just be able to work itself out once you get that core group of players? I know they were inexperienced at some places and they had injuries, but they still had a good group of players on both sides of the ball. I don't really understand why they struggled so heavily. Well, you think about you think about Van Ginkle and you think about Dixon. Both were injured pretty much all year. Van Ginkle got hurt against BYU and was never really the same. We didn't really see him play at a high level until late in the season. I thought Purdue was his best game 
And Dakota Dixon, you know, was, was put, banged up all year and playing with a really young group. I'll be honest, I was shocked that Dakota Dixon was uh, considered a third-team choice. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think he, first of all, played enough <laughs> that, to begin with, and I didn't think he was very good uh, second second half of that, or, the, you know, the, in terms of when he was there. I don't think he was great by any stretch. So um, I think that was maybe more reputation than anything. I, defensively, it, it starts and ends with the defensive line. I think we overlooked all the success or all the players that they lost last, last year with Connor Sheehy and Chico Elbasi and, and Alec James. You know, when those guys left, they left a lot of starts and a lot of games played, and that's really where it starts for a defense, especially in a 3-4, and they just were not able to, to overcome it with all the young guys that they had along the defensive line. So that side of the ball, I think we could all expect uh, a step back I thought that they were good enough in a lot of games to win, um, certainly. Um, but offensively, they just weren't very good. And um, if we had an answer, I think we could all talk about it. I don't, I, I don't have an answer as to why the offense wasn't able to pick up where it left off in the bowl game, other than inconsistency, especially from the quarterback spot. Yeah, and I, just, I hear you chuckling, too. There really is no great way to figure this out. I will say, is it possible that Badgers fans... Uh, and, and people who cover the team overlooked some of those lesser-known players like Alec James and Sheehy and Obasi on the defensive line. Guys who didn't have the NFL stock that Beagle and Watt did, but but were just stalwarts on that line and, and gave a lot of starts. And they maybe snuck out the door when they graduated. Did people really not realize how many good, solid seniors were walking out when, when they graduated last year? I don't I don't think so, but I, but I do think that the seeds for what we saw happen on Saturday were planted back in in the summer when they lost Garrett Rand for the, for the season, he was a guy that was coming back and there were very, very high expectations. And, and, you know, they were going to be able to, in my opinion, they were able, they were going to be able to um, deal with the loss of those three guys with the likes of Olive Sagopolo, Garrett Rand and Isaiah Loudermilk. Uh, Garrett Rand didn't even make it to the season. Isaiah Loudermilk missed the first couple of games and wasn't really healthy all year. And uh, then, obviously, Olive gets hurt towards the end of the season, and you, and you lose him for, I think, was the final four games of the year. So yeah. they they were already dinged up, um, or they were already hurting with those guys leaving, and then they lose all these other guys, and you're having the red freshman walk on, the Matt Henningsen play a bunch. You're having a former offensive lineman and Caden Lyles playing. You have a true freshman in Bryson Williams. So all those guys, you lose guys, you lose essentially your top six from last year. I think you're going to see what, what we saw. Yeah, that's just a lot of space that needs to be filled, I guess. It makes sense. Zach Heilprin for a couple more minutes here on the Wisco Sports Show. Two things i got to ask you. Number one, uh, this year, in past years, a lot of uh, the talk about the Badgers team at the end of the year, especially after Big Ten championship losses, is the bowl doesn't matter. I don't care about the bowl. It's just a consolation prize. Well, I don't know if that was true the last couple of years, but I feel like I almost feel that way this year. I- I've never been in this position of-, of thinking about some random bowl. It's typically been the Rose Bowl a couple years ago or, or a New Year's Six type of bowl. What are the Badgers looking at this year? And you need to tell me because I have no clue. Yeah, no, uh, I'm thinking back to the last time, and I was talking about this somebody before the last time they played in just a crappy bowl. Yeah, I should say crappy bowl. Um, <laughs> just a, a lower level bowl because they've been playing, you know, Outback, Citrus Bowl, Rose Bowl, you know, uh, um, they, what, the uh, Orange Bowl last me, year. The Cotton Bowl, you had the Orange Bowl last year. So you have all those are, you know, New Year's Day bowls. They haven't played in a, in a really lower tier bowl games since 2009 when they played in the champ sports bowl. And so this is, that's kind of what this is. This is, so it's, I've heard a bunch of different places. We won't know until Sunday. And it used to be like, if you slotted into one spot, in the big 10, that's where you would go. And now they kind of have a, they're able to choose uh, and try and get the best matchup and try and get the best thing for tickets and all that kind of stuff. So uh, there's a number of that I'm hearing. 
Um, the Pinstripe Bowl is one of them in oh. New York. The Music City Bowl in Nashville. Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville. Um, the uh, Red Box Bowl out in Santa Clara. Yikes. So there's, I mean, there's a bunch of different options. I have no idea where they're going to end up, but we'll find out Sunday when, um, you know, after the bowl championship is, or the bowl championship, after the playoff is, is announced and, and everything else falls into place. But whatever it's going to be, it's going to be disappointing compared to what they've been at the last few years. Yeah, and I guess I, I shouldn't complain. I, I will complain. I shouldn't complain. Some some teams just fight and, and just claw every year just to be bowl eligible. Yeah, uh, they sort of needed that win to get in. Yeah, that to, makes to, it. To a bowl, or be bowl eligible. And it's not even a guarantee, I guess, if, if you're at 500, whether you're going to be able to go to a bowl or not. But, um, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's been in the bowl every year since 2002. So, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of perspective. We'll look at it that way. I'll ask you one more thing while I have you. So, uh, from what I know, we have one more Badger Roundtable show coming up uh, this Friday, and you can hear that right here on WKTY. What's uh, what's on tap for Friday? I just got to know. What's the discussion going to be like? What do you have planned? <laughs> well, uh spoke already uh, with Anthony Davis, the former Wisconsin running back, and he was pretty um, vocal about his uh, dislike of what happened on Saturday. Uh, he was he was pretty active on Twitter afterwards. So we talked about that. We talked really about you know towards the end of it, the last five minutes or so, it was all about the quarterback and what do you do at quarterback? Because what we think and what we we sh- we think should happen, there should be a quarterback competition, right? Alex Hornberg can't be your starter next year without any competition. Of you course. have to allow Jack Cohn or Chase Wolf or Danny Vanderbilt. Raven Graham Mertz, the four-star kid who's going to come back, you know, to be arriving here in January, you have to have a quarterback competition, right? Well, I don't know what Paul Chris thinks. So we certainly talked about that. Going to be chatting, obviously, with Monte Ball and uh, Travis Beckham as well. It's, uh, yeah, final show of the season coming up on Friday. And then I go five days a week, and my workload really cranks up. And I've enjoyed that program all season long, so thanks for giving us uh, that here on WKTY. Zach Heilprin from The Zone, I appreciate it as always, and maybe we'll talk down the line as we get near whatever bowl the Badgers end up in. I keep my fingers crossed that I've even you know heard of this bowl before. Thanks a lot, Zach. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Zach Heilprin from our sister station in Madison, uh, The Zone, and he is the big the head honcho, uh, the sports director out there, and I always appreciated him taking a couple of minutes I watch the Badgers every week. I read about the Badgers. Listen to uh, Zach does a podcast every week about the Badgers that I listen to. I try to educate myself, but college sports is a different, it's a different animal with recruiting and with red shirting and with all of that. It's not the same as pro sports. And it's nice to have some boots on the ground uh, here uh, at a sister station over in Madison that we can pull on. And, and we heard from Ebo last week and, and Zach is, is always a good time to have him on the show. I always appreciate him taking a couple minutes. So if you have any thoughts about uh, where the Badgers are going Coming up in the next few months, and I really, I look, maybe it's a good piece of perspective. I, I don't want to complain about the Badgers going to a dumpy bowl because there are teams, Rutgers uh, or Maryland, who would just kill to go to a bowl. I, I know Maryland's a, a pretty good team. That was a bad example. But there are teams that would kill to go just to a bowl. So a, a good piece of perspective for Badgers fans, and, and I don't want to complain about them going to a, a dumpy bowl uh, or just a lower-level bowl, as Zach so eloquently put it. But that's what's on deck, and, and we will figure out this weekend, and, and you can hear all the bull talk and all of that uh, Badgers conversation that Zach prefaced on the Badger Roundtable show coming up on Friday in this time slot, 5 to 6 p.m. right here on WKTY, both on the radio dial at 580 a.m. and 96.7 FM, and you can stream that on our website, WKTYsports.com, and our mobile application as well. So you can find that in a lot of different places. And you'll want to hear, I, I want to hear what Zach has to say on Friday. Uh, because in, in limited phone conversation on this show, I feel like we don't really give him time to get rolling. And I think there's going to be some good stuff on the way on Friday evening. So when we come back, some interesting news regarding the Packers and their coaching situation that broke earlier today. 
I don't know how much salt it holds, but you gamblers out there, you know that Vegas typically doesn't get things wrong. You know, Vegas makes a lot of money for a reason. They know everything. They are right about everything. And uh, they made a pretty bold proclamation. Put some pretty bold numbers out there this morning. And we'll talk about that to wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. With me, your host, Grant Bills. Good stuff from Zach Heilprin from The Zone, as always. Not a whole lot of positivity swimming around this Badgers team right now, but they are bowl eligible. They'll be going somewhere to play a bowl here in a month or so. So we will watch, we will wait, and we will listen. And if you want more perspective, you want more Zach and the boys, as I like to call them, you can hear them for one last time, the Badger Roundtable show this Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. as they start to wrap up the regular season. Don't forget tonight at uh, 7.15, Drew Kelly and myself will be at Aquinas High School for Aquinas and Mostyn, bringing you a little local action tonight. So if you got to whip out the WKTY mobile app to listen in your living room, taking some local action, great way to do it. I will also be back tomorrow in for Scrady as he is on some tropical vacation somewhere. Actually, I think he's in town. I just think he's driving around watching every high school hockey game in existence. I will be in for him tomorrow with Dave, just like last Wednesday. So I got a busy, uh, busy next couple of, uh, of hours. Should ask for a raise. Shouldn't I? Is uh, Dave and I will be back in tomorrow morning uh, to talk about it all once again. We started the show today talking about how the Brewers are apparently in cahoots with the San Francisco Giants about a possible Madison Bumgarner trade. And I ask you, what would you be willing to give up? Minor leaguers, players who are currently maybe on the fringe like a Brandon Woodruff or a Corbin Burns? And you can uh, still have time to chime in on the five-star telecom talking text line, 608-796-2558. And if you know the Brewers minor league system really well, you're a big minor league nerd, Flex flex on us. Come on, let's hear how much you know and dig into some prospects here. So let me know. You can also tweet at me at Keystroker Grant and at the station at WKTY. But for the moment, we're going to move on. Really interesting stuff from the Bleacher Report earlier this morning. And if you know gambling, and Dave Carney does very well, I'm sure we'll talk about this tomorrow. Mike McCarthy has now vaulted to the top of the odds list for the next NFL coach to be fired, which I, I don't know why I was surprised you could bet on such a thing. I'm not a huge sports gambler. Like, I'll... I'll bet like a pizza with one of my buddies. I don't like betting legit money, but I'll make some some fun bets with friends. That's about as far as I go. Dave is the much smarter, much more educated man on the subject, which is why I think we'll get into it tomorrow morning. Per Odd Shark, McCarthy is at a plus 400 uh, to lose his job, followed by Todd Bowles and Steve Wilkes. So, and I love this article, lays it out for me like the idiot that I am. Bet $100, win 400. That's that's how, uh, how that works, and I'm sure you all know that. And I knew that as well, but... For those of you who don't, uh, you want to lay 100 bucks down on McCarthy to be the next coach to lose his job, you could cash in at $400 and so on and so forth. Um, and if he, this is what's most fascinating, and I actually I saw the headline, you know, Mike McCarthy, top odds to be fired. That didn't surprise me, but I opened up the article. I, I perused through it. It's not very long. Bleacher Report put it out if you want to go check it out. I'll retweet it at, uh, at WKTY. The coaches following Mike McCarthy with the next highest odds to lose their jobs are fascinating. And it's it's really, really funny because you notice a trend, but Mike McCarthy bucks this trend. He's the outlier of the group. So following McCarthy, we said Todd Bowles of the Jets and Steve Wilkes of the Arizona Cardinals, but then following him is John Harbaugh, Vance Joseph, Dirk Cutter, Doug Marone, Adam Gase, Pat Shermer, and Sean McDermott. Now, this is why this is fascinating. Mike McCarthy is top odds to be the head coach to be fired next, but if you look at the group behind him, Bowles, Wilkes, Harbaugh, Joseph, Cutter, Marone, Gay, Shermer, McDermott. There's one thing in common with all of those coaches, which could not be farther from the truth with Mike McCarthy. 
none of them have a stable starting quarterback. Now, Todd Bowles and his Jets drafted Sam Darnold. He's been hurt. He's been in and out, but he really hasn't performed all that well. Doesn't have an established quarterback. Steve Wilkes, working with Josh Rosen, obviously down in uh, in Phoenix, but hasn't got underway, hasn't performed well yet. John Harbaugh, obviously with Joe Flacco. They're not winning with Flacco or with Lamar Jackson, although Jackson's looked pretty flashy running the ball. I don't know if that'll translate to being a good pocket passer or anything that's going to be necessary for Jackson to succeed. But nonetheless, a little bit of revolving door quarterback in Baltimore. Vance Joseph. Yeah, he's starting Case Keenum out in Denver. Look, Vikings fans, I know. Case Keenum had a killer year last year. I think that was a little bit of an outlier. I've watched a couple Broncos games, and Case Keenum hasn't been awful. But he is not Drew Brees. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not that guy. Continuing down this list, you look at Dirk Cutter. Oh my God, what a nightmare down in Tampa Tampa Bay. You can go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is, well, you know what you have there. It might give you a good game. He's going to sling the ball all over the field. Or Jameis Winston, who is an off-the-field distraction. He's done some weird things on the sideline. And he's just horribly inconsistent and has not progressed. Young quarterback, revolving door quarterback, Dirk Cutter, obviously on the hot seat. Doug Marone, they just benched Blake Bortles for Cody Kessler. A revolving door quarterback. Not a stable situation down there. Adam Gase, Brock Osweiler, Ryan Tannehill. Now, Tannehill's been hurt, so they've kind of been forced to to have another revolving door at that position. Pat Shermer, I think Pat Shermer's and his odds are obviously plus 1,000, so we're getting down there now. Pat Shermer with Eli Manning, not a great situation at quarterback. I don't know how long Eli Manning will be around. A lot of people saying that they should have moved on from Eli Manning. That'll get a coach on the hot seat, not having a good quarterback. And then finally, Sean McDermott, who's starting Josh Allen. And I think a lot of these coaches, Bowles, Wilkes, and McDermott in specific, who are all equipped with a highly touted, highly drafted quarterback from last year's draft, whether it be Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, or in the case of Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, that you don't get a long leash because we've looked around the league. We saw what Sean McVay did with Goff, what Andy Reid has done with Patrick Mahomes, what uh, um, Deshaun Watson has done in Houston now that he's healthy. Quarterbacks are expected to produce. They're expected to show that they can play earlier and earlier on in their careers. And if coaches aren't getting that out of the players immediately, yeah, that seat's going to get warm mighty fast. Because general managers and front offices, they're not wasting time anymore. They're seeing Jared Goff in his third year competing for a Super Bowl and Carson Wentz last year in his second year, although he ended up getting injured, competing for not only to be an MVP, but leading his team to what would have been probably a playoff run. Who knows if they would have won the Super Bowl? Of course, it worked out with Nick Foles. We are now seeing young quarterbacks producing and performing earlier and earlier and earlier. And if you don't see that, that seat's going to warm up. Now, you look at a couple of these other teams like uh, Case Keenum on the Broncos or Blake Bortles down in Jacksonville. Some of these teams are just in in flux right now. They've signed a placeholder until they either find the next free agent quarterback or one in the draft. Mike McCarthy does not fit into that group. Stable quarterback, has had a stable quarterback for a long time, and is supposed to have a stable quarterback here for the next two, three, four years. Which is why it makes it so interesting. Mike McCarthy is literally the only coach on this list with an established, successful NFL quarterback. And the rest of the guys, I mean, that's half the league. Half the league uh, doesn't really have a super stable quarterback. Yeah, they're all in the hot seat, (laughs) except for Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's got Aaron Rodgers, and he's leading the way at plus 400. I don't know if I'd lay 100 bucks down on Mike McCarthy. I do think that Mike McCarthy will be let go. The question is, will it be in the next couple of weeks? I don't think they'll go that route. Or will it be on the Monday following the season? Or, you know, maybe the Packers go on a run. That's why betting uh, with Vegas is is such a crapshoot because Vegas knows what they're doing. It knows what they're talking about. Vegas doesn't lose. There's no free money in terms of gambling. 
If I were to put 100 bucks down on something, I'd, I'd feel pretty good. I wouldn't feel like I was throwing away money if I laid down 100 bucks to get Mike McCarthy fired. Not to get him fired, but to win a little bit of cash, a little bit of extra uh, spending money if Mike McCarthy does get the boot at the end of this year. Fascinating. McCarthy, followed by Bowles, Wilkes, Harbaugh, Joseph. I mean, you can see the theme. It's poor quarterbacking play gets head coaches fired. Mike McCarthy really not in that position. And I think we've talked about the local perspective versus the national perspective and that narrative all the time. I think the national perspective is Mike McCarthy is not getting the most out of Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's well, he's stealing years away from Aaron Rodgers, wasting his prime. And then the local perspective is, well, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing great either. And I think that's all at play in terms of Mike McCarthy's job status in Green Bay. Well, we got to run. Thanks for joining the Wisco Sports Show today. Don't forget local action tonight on WKTY, Aquinas, and Mostyn. I will be on the call with WIZM's Drew Kelly at 715, so make sure you're tuning in. If not, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Same time, same place. Can't wait. Talk to you then.